The good news is it, it is getting colder, but by a slower rate. Uh. Right, so uh, today's text, um, they, say, they say to Jesus, uh, should we pay taxes to Caesar? And Jesus says, pay taxes, uh, pay the taxes that are due to Caesar, and pay to God what is due to God. Now how about that for an answer? This sounds a bit boring really, doesn't it? (laughs) Pay to Caesar what is due to Caesar, and pay to God what is due to God. Full stop. End of answer. It's the kind of thing you might get in the House of Commons. Prime Minister sits down. He hasn't said anything, really. (laughs) So, what's going on? Well, let me first of all say, let me remind you that God is working in your heart and God is working in my heart today and he will continue tomorrow. And uh, that's because he loves you. And he loves all his people. And God always works all over the world and in our lives. God always works from the inside. That's where God is really at work, from the inside. In mysterious ways, making a difference on the outside. But first of all, a a little history lesson. Um... And this is a little history lesson, not only to give you a little bit of history, but just to remind you that Jesus was a real person. He really lived, and he lived in the real world, which was just as unpleasant as the world you live in. And of course, it's a question of degrees. We are so lucky we don't live in Gaza. We are so lucky we don't live in Ukraine. There are so many parts of the world where there are terrible things happening. But this reminds us that Jesus lived in the real world where very bad things happened. So here we go with this little history lesson. Um, You'll all remember that the Roman army invaded Israel. The Roman army marched in. And so Rome stole Israel's land. And in addition, Rome demanded that all the Jewish people pay tax to Rome. So as they say in London, the Jews were not happy. Right? They were not happy. They were not happy with the Romans. And of course, if an army marches in and steals your land and then demands tax from you, well, that's the sort of thing that causes riots and revolution and revolutions. Well, there was a revolution. And when Jesus was a small boy, and this is a little reminder that he really was a person, And he was a little person. It's a historic fact. When Jesus was a small boy, around about the age of six or seven, possibly eight, 
the Jews did revolt against the Romans and the Romans came with their army and they crushed the revolt without mercy. The revolutionaries were mainly young men. They were rounded up and crucified. Many hundreds were hung from crosses. And the Romans left the crosses standing all over the countryside. They weren't just done on one hill. Deliberately, the Romans carried out these crucifixions all over the countryside. There were crosses everywhere. And the dead and the dying were left on the crosses. And the sight was horrific. And these hundreds of crosses, nearly up to a thousand, these hundreds of crosses were Rome's warning. If you revolt, you end up on a cross. If you don't pay your taxes, you end up nailed to a cross. You must understand Caesar is king. And so the hundreds of crucifixions all over the open countryside express the ruthless Roman power to dominate. Absolutely. And the sight of these hundreds of crosses put fear into the hearts of ordinary people. And young Jesus with his friends around about the age of five or six or seven young Jesus with his friends other little boys little girls they grew up knowing about crucifixion and Roman cruelty and that would have shaped their outlook on life Now if you can jump with me, 25 years later, or thereabouts, when Jesus was answering the question about giving tax to Caesar, 25 years later, Jesus in his early 30s, and the horrific memories were still very much in people's minds, all those crosses all over the countryside, Jesus is teaching like a travelling rabbi and he's behaving like a prophet. But it was like someone had put a target on Jesus' front. You imagine if someone came up right now with, with a bit of string and hung over my head a target. You know, like they use for darts. Right? And there we are. There's a target on Ashley. You can throw anything you like at him. A hymn book, a prayer book, a dart. Ashley's a target this morning. Well, that's what happened to Jesus. 
Metaphorically, they put a target round him or on him. They tried to catch him out with trick questions. They tried to set a political trap for Jesus to fall into. So here it is. He's the target. Jesus, is it right to pay tax to Caesar? What's your answer? And they would have thought to themselves, well, anyone who's leading a kingdom of God movement must be against Roman taxes. A leading preacher who isn't against Roman taxes, he'll be laughed at. He'll be resented. A leading preacher has got to be on our side. And if Jesus did come out against Roman taxes, then they could have had him arrested for treason, which was what they were hoping. In a sense, the Jesus story is not for the (laughs) faint-hearted. Jesus is targeted. They are plotting against him. And they hate him. And they are serious. And he knows. But he never seeks revenge. Now, as I'm sure you're aware, at the time of Jesus, the majority of the Jewish people hated the Romans. And and you can understand why. The Romans had invaded them and occupied their land uh, and taken over their institutions, more or less. They also hated the Roman coins, Roman currency. They weren't allowed, in many, on many occasions, to use their own Hebrew coins. They had to buy Roman currency and use that. And they hated Roman coins. And to make matters so painful, on the Roman coin, there was a picture image of Caesar. You knew that, didn't you? I've got an old coin here. And uh, if I just hold it up, it reminds you. This could be a Roman coin. And if you looked at it, you'd see a picture of the king, Caesar, who lives in Rome and runs the army. And uh, we have to remember that the Jews were not allowed to put a picture image of any person on a coin. That was against Hebrew law. You weren't allowed to do it. So the question, should we pay tax to Caesar? And um, Jesus answers, a bit like they do in the house of Parliament 
Jesus answers with a request. He says, show me the coin. Now, at this point, I'm going to exaggerate a little bit, right? It's an exaggeration. But you see, all the Jews hated the Roman coin and all that it stood for. And so, Jesus would have had a dreadful look on his face and he would have held his nose and thought, you're going to show me a dead rat. Ugh, it stinks and I can't look at it. Ugh. Go on then, let's have a look at this dead rat. Well, no, it's not a dead rat, is it? It's a coin. Ugh. And uh, they hold it up with Jesus holding his nose. And Jesus looks at this dead rat, this coin, with disgust. And he says to the Pharisee who holds it out, he's got it in his hand, Oh, oh dear. Oh, dead rat. Mr. Pharisee, I see you handle this, this dead rat. I see you handle this Roman coin. You're not perfect then, are you? You know, it's against the law to have an image on a coin. But you have one in your pocket. Of course, Jesus doesn't say that. But it, that's what he's expressing on his face. Ugh, dead rat. Roman coin. Ugh. Well, Mr. Pharisee, the coin has an image on it. Whose? Caesar's. And it has an inscription written on it. What does the inscription say? Well, it says, Tiberius Caesar, son of Augustus Caesar, son of God. Ugh, dead rat. Jesus looks at the Pharisee as much to say, yeah, that inscription, Caesar, son of God, Caesar is claiming divinity on his money coin. So here's my answer to your question. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Give to God what is God's. Still not much of an answer, is it? And of course the answer could be taken two ways. But Jesus doesn't spell it out. You could think Jesus is saying, well, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. In other words, this nation belongs to Caesar. The nation, Caesar is king, so Caesar gets your tax. Or you could think Jesus was saying, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. This nation, this nation has been stolen by Caesar, so he's not entitled to the tax. It's not his. 
But Jesus doesn't spell it out. He hints by his facial expression. And I'm exaggerating. Ugh. Dead rat. Oh, the smell, the sight. Ugh. <laughs> well, he goes on to say, give to God what is God's. And he doesn't spell that out. But of course, the Pharisees would have understood the land of Israel is God's gift. And Israel is God's nation. And Jesus is saying, you Pharisees, you're not really serving God. You serve yourselves. You work to maintain your wealth. You work to maintain your status. You work to maintain your power over the people. You work for your political survival. Have you thought about giving to God what is God's instead of serving yourselves? But of course Jesus doesn't say all that, but it's written on his face. So Jesus' answer is so subtle, almost boring, it's certainly understated. Jesus doesn't want to lose this debate, because Caesar is wicked. But funny, Jesus doesn't really want to win this debate. Jesus wants to reframe the question. He really does. He wants to reframe this question. You see, Jesus, throughout the Gospels, is proclaiming God's kingdom. And God's kingdom, Jesus says, is against all the powers of human cruelty. And Jesus has made it quite clear that he and his disciples, at least on a good day, have turned away from involving themselves in riots or revolutions. Because Jesus knows that a good riot or revolution will never achieve lasting peace or prosperity. That's not the way. It's not the way of the kingdom. And Jesus taught that within the kingdom, people must change from the inside. The kingdom of God will defeat the kingdom of Caesar, but not by armies. The kingdom of God will defeat evil by the power of God's incredible love, which Jesus will show on the cross. Now the kingdom of God is much bigger than the church, and Jesus taught that the kingdom of God is at hand. It's all around you, if you could but see it. And he taught that the kingdom is within you, strangely, if you would look for it. And the kingdom of God is a kingdom 
of kindness and gentleness, of patience and forgiveness, and of listening and not always talking. Now, where you live, you may have a neighbour who is difficult. I have a neighbour who's difficult, and it is a challenge. You may have a family member that you feel you can't trust, and that can be wearisome and a challenge. And you don't want to take sides. And you want to be a peace builder, but it's not easy. Someone where you work may irritate you. <laughs> may not be their fault. <laughs> but it's a challenge. Do we sometimes try to get a subtle revenge? The temptation is a challenge. But the life of the kingdom of God was so well expressed by Jesus when he said, love your neighbour as yourself. Not easy, but the only true way forward. And Paul said, overcome evil with good. God wants to change us from the inside and everybody else from the inside and Jesus who you meet every day in your time of personal prayer Jesus abides in you and you abide in him and that's your source of strength day by day his great love shown on the cross is transforming you and me from the inside day by day little by little it's incremental now Christianity long outlived the Roman emperor and the empire but cruel human empires and global power blocks come and go. But we know that cycles of revenge just make things worse. Acts of retaliation deepen the bitterness amongst nations or on my street amongst the neighbours. And avoiding someone will hurt them and erode trust. But for us, the resurrection of Jesus is the signal that God's kingdom is at hand. And that in the end, God's kingdom will come in all its fullness. And all things will be well. All wrongs will be put to rights. All will be well. God's kingdom will come in all its fullness. The resurrection points to a time 
when in God's new creation the lion will lie down with the lamb. In the meantime, we wait prayerfully. We pray for all leaders, especially in Israel and Jordan, and especially in Russia and in the Ukraine, and for all refugees and those who are dispossessed, and all who are in refugee camps, and all who are lonely or hungry. And though an army may be needed for self-defence, lasting peace only comes from cooperation and compromise, fair competition, and lots and lots of talking. Jesus said, love your neighbour as yourself. That is the expression of God's kingdom, which is all around you. And one day will come in all its fullness. And in our time of private personal prayer, we open our hearts to Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And we let Jesus change us from the inside. My motives, my desires, my hidden agendas... God seeks to change us on the inside and he'll never stop loving you. Amen.